Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at scriptures from Sunday to Saturday from Proper 21. Proper 21. Now remember, we are in the second half of the church calendar season. Interestingly, the church calendar begins at the end of November or the beginning of December. And it begins with Advent, the coming of Jesus. We're preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus on Christmas Day, December 25th. So we have four weeks in Advent, followed by Christmas season, followed by Epiphany, followed by Lent, followed by Easter. Of course, we celebrate his resurrection from the dead, and then Pentecost. And then the Sundays after Pentecost. The last Sunday after Pentecost is the last Sunday of the church calendar year, and then the next week is Advent. Now we have been studying the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we are looking at 2 Kings. 2 Kings is a history book. It is true history. It is history that has happened. And it is given from the perspective of God and what God is doing with the Israelite community and what he's doing with the nation. And he's teaching us lessons about himself and about how to live our lives along with this profound history lesson so that the teaching is given in the context of everyday life. I really enjoy that because uh, it is a wonderful way for God to speak into our lives uh, on, a, on a very real level. Secondly, we have the New Testament. Now we're going to be looking at a letter from Paul to the Corinthians and then a gospel. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we are in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And we'll be looking at uh, verses from 625 through 827. Six and seven are in the Sermon of the Mount. If you recall, if you were with us several weeks ago, we were looking at the Sermon of the Mount in chapter five in the beginning of chapter six. So we're picking up there. All right. Now, as you you might be listening to me um, today, sometime during the day, you might be riding in your car, driving your car, listening, waking up in the morning. I like to listen uh, early in the morning uh, when the show drops on Friday at midnight. Listen uh, on Friday morning on my way to work. I do a Bible study on Friday morning at the church. So I just kind of listen to the scriptures and just really enjoy hearing what God's word says and how I can apply it in my own life. You might have a Bible that has a commentary to it, notes on the bottom of the page that may help you with the teaching, uh, or just watch and uh, do some study on your own uh, in these passages. But at least let's all read them together. Well, we begin in 2 Kings 17, 1 through 18 is where we start out. And we have Hoshea. Hoshea is the last king of Israel. Now, what happened was we have Saul, David, and Solomon. Those were the first three kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon. Didn't work out well for Saul. He fell on his sword. David became a great king of Israel. We, in fact, the star of David is on the Israeli flag. And then Solomon started off beautifully, and then he went downhill pretty quickly. After he passed away, it was passed over. The kingdom was passed over to his son, Rehoboam, and a man named Jeroboam uh, wanted to work with him 
so that there would be a way for the country to move forward. Rehoboam was unwilling to do that, and the kingdom split in two. There were 10 tribes to the north, which we call Israel, and there were two tribes to the south, which we call um, Judah, okay? So we have Judah to the south, Israel to the north, okay? And so we have the last king of Israel, and uh, we have the ending of the northern kingdom. Northern kingdom, Israel, southern kingdom, Judah, all right? Look at verse 7. All this took place, that this is 2 Kings 17, 7. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them out of Egypt from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Remember, that's the Exodus. They worshipped other gods and they followed practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them using Joshua. Joshua came in, drove them out. They were worshipping false gods, but unfortunately Israel picked up on the false gods. The nation picked up on the false gods and they offended God, as well as the practices which the kings of Israel had introduced. Now this is the kings of Israel um, that uh, occurred after the breakup between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. That's not good. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. This is verse 9. Verse 10, they set up secret stones and themselves high places in all their towns. They set up Asherah poles on every high hill and every spreading tree. At every high place, they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. So they acted like the other nations, and this was anathema to God. They did wicked things that provoked the Lord to anger. They worshiped idols, though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets. And this is the importance of the prophets. The importance of the prophets is they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have communication tools like we have today. So what they had to do was they had to listen to the prophets and the seers and people that God was using to speak through them to get the message from the Lord. If they obeyed the prophet, they did well. If they disobeyed the prophet, they did poorly. Turn from your evil ways. This is the message from the prophet, and it's still good today. Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen. It's the plight of man. They would not listen. And they were stiff-necked as their fathers who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees, verse 15, and the covenant he had made with their fathers and the warnings he had given them. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do, and they did the things that the Lord had forbidden them to do. I mean, it just goes on from there. Second Kings 17 is an excellent, excellent chapter. It shows from God's perspective why the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, failed. Now, you could look at their armies or look at their generals and look at the nations around them. It had everything to do with their relationship with God and how they did not do what he said, and so there were severe repercussions. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 29 
And I'm guessing that that is in Second Chronicles 29. It is looking at this text, uh, 29, 1 to 3. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned Jerusalem 29 years. This is the southern kingdom. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Okay? And so it begins to tell us, let's see, 2 Chronicles 29, 1 through 3, and then he goes uh, in your post 30, 10 through 27. 30, 10 through 27. Um, also, verse 12, In Judah, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered following the word of the Lord. That's what you want. Now, this is in direct opposition to what we just read in 2 Kings 17, which was Israel. Hezekiah, southern kingdom. Hezekiah, an excellent king. And the hand of the Lord was on them, and they followed the word of the Lord. When we follow the word of the Lord, brothers and sisters, we do well. When we do not follow the word of the Lord, we do not do well. Follow the word of the Lord. Seek the Lord. Do what the Lord says. Find out what he does say. One of the things that we're trying to do in this daily lectionary together is what does God say? What, how, how does God want us to live? Okay, continue to read that. Look at what he says in verse 20 of uh, 2 Chronicles 30 while I'm on it. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. So the king can have great influence. The leader can have great influence. The key is the submission to the Lord in the doing of what God says. 2 Kings 18. Now we go back to Hezekiah in Kings 9 through 25. Okay? In King Hezekiah's fourth year, which is the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, marched against Samaria and laid siege to it. At the end of three years, the Assyrians took it. So Samaria was captured in Hezekiah's sixth year, which was the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel. So you have the king of Israel's dates, and you have the king of Judah's dates. The king of Israel, uh, Assyria departed, uh, deported, I'm sorry, deported Israel to Assyria, that's bad, and settled them in Halah. So the Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom and deported them. This was catastrophic to the people of the north. This happened because, verse 10, uh, 12, they did not obey the Lord their God. They violated his covenant, all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded. They neither listened to the commands nor carried them out. They didn't listen. They didn't do what God says. They knew what they were supposed to do. They didn't do it. Beautiful scripture. 2 Kings 19. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priest, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah. Now, this is the Isaiah that's, that's a prophet there. Son of Amos, they told him, this is what Hezekiah says, etc., etc. Hezekiah is a very powerful man and a very godly man. He is a man of the Lord, and he is trying to do the ways of the Lord. He prays in verse 14 of 2 Kings 19, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God, you alone, our God, are over all the kings of the earth. You made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib 
has sent to insult the living God. It is true that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands, very dangerous people. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. And so Isaiah is going to prophesy the fall of Sennacherib and Assyria is not going to destroy the southern kingdom. Now, there's a lot to read here as we work through Sunday to Saturday. Listen to the, what's going on at that time in Israelite history, in world history. And as you work through that, what is the Lord saying to you? I've shared a couple of ideas with you, okay? Very good stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, we are looking at the book of Corinthians, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st Corinthians chapter 7, 25 to 31, as you see on your post, 25 to 31. And remember the last time we talked about marriage, and so Paul is dealing with this subject, 25, he talks about virgins, beginning in 25. And he is talking about unmarried men in verse 32 to 40. Uh, he is talking about how to deal with virgins. Uh, he, in verse 39, he says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. So the idea is that when a woman uh, lost her husband, that the husband needs to be somebody that belongs to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that the, I too have the Spirit of God. So 1 Corinthians 7 is about how to deal with sexual issues, how to deal as husband and wife, how to deal as a virgin, and what to do in those situations. In 1 Corinthians 8, we know about uh, food sacrificed to idols. We know that all, we all possess knowledge, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's a great statement. It's good to have knowledge. It's good to have information. It's good to know. Strongly suggest it. This weekly lectionary study is about learning and growing in our relationship with God, but he says love builds up. The man, the person who thinks he knows something, does not know as he ought to know. The man who loves God is known by God. We need to be known by God. We need to love as God loves us. We need to love God and we need to love our neighbor. Very important. Be careful, he says in verse 9, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. You do not have permission to do anything and everything you want to do. Look at the context around you. Look at what's going on. Okay? If you're dealing with people that are alcoholic or have a problem, let's say, for example, with alcohol, just don't run in there and start drinking. Be careful with your brother or sister. Be careful of what you do on a regular basis. You want to do things that builds up love. That is a loving thing to do. And I offer that to you and hope that you and I will consider that very seriously in coming from Paul. In 1 Corinthians 9... Uh, 1 to 15 and 16 to 27, he talks about him being an apostle. He's talking about his leadership as an apostle. Um, he's talking about 
being a slave to everyone in verse 19. Uh, I have become all things to all men in verse 22, which is a beautiful way to live, so that by all possible means I might save some. So he's offering himself as a sacrifice for other people so that people will know the Lord. I do this for the sake of the gospel. I'm not doing this for myself, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 9, that I may share in its blessings. So Paul is very focused on Christ. He's very aware of what's going on around him. He's very aware of what he says and the way he acts. His desire is to share the gospel. His desire is to submit himself to Christ and to do what Christ says. His desire is to be loving, to be kind, to be giving. I love 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all runners won? Run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now that's a great challenge for all of us. Run to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it for a crown that will not last. We do it for a crown that will last forever. Now you're going to get a crown that lasts forever if you know Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus. You want to run in a way to get the prize and you want to go into strict training. So what you do on a daily basis in terms of your training before the Lord is very, very important. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I'm just not running around out there crazy, like a crazy person. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body, verse 27, and make it a slave that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul takes very seriously his walk with God. I hope you will too. We pray for one another and I encourage you to do so. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13 is another great section. Um, he says uh, in verse 12, So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, and all of us are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You will never have a situation where you will be tempted beyond what you could bear. But when you're tempted, you look for a way out. and God will provide it. Now, the problem is that a lot of us, we don't take that way out. But he's encouraging you, Paul is, in this great scripture reading from chapter 10, 1 to 13, that we do take that way out. It's very important. All right. When we go back to the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, 6, and 7, and we are in chapter 6, verse 25, that's just tremendously good teaching for all of us. Okay? And so I'll just highlight that for you. But enjoy this reading. Do not worry about your life, he says. I wonder how many in our audience are concerned about their life and concerned about their futures. You've got something on your mind. You've got something you're concerned about. He says in verse 27, chapter 6, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? What is that going to do? How you, how's that going to get you going forward? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Even Solomon in his all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Oh, you of little faith, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Verse 31. What shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things, Jesus says. Your heavenly Father knows that you need him. What do you need to do? Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Seek the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. Seek the kingdom of God. Chapter 7. Judging others. Very famous words of Jesus. Do not judge or you too will be judged. In the same way you judged other, others, verse 1 and 2, you will be judged in the measure you use. It will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Take care of yourself. Do not judge. Ask and it will be given to you. Another great saying of Jesus, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek the Lord. Ask. Verse 13, chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I pray that all of you are seeking the Lord. You're going through the narrow gate. The, the gate that leads to destruction is very wide, and there's an awful lot of people that go there. I hope that you are not one of them. The narrow is the road that leads to life, and that's life in Christ, and only a few find it. I pray that all of you, all of us, will go through that narrow gate. Watch out for false prophets. You'll know people by their fruit. Verse 20 of chapter 7. Not everybody, this is, a, this is a telling statement. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one that does the will of my Father in heaven. It's important to know God's will. This is what, another reason we share these scriptures with you weekly. What is God's will? What does he want to do? We've already seen in 2 Kings many examples of that. We saw several examples of that in 1 Corinthians that I've shared with you. And we're seeing more in Matthew. There's a lot to think about this week. What is God's will for me? He says, he says it plainly. And, of course, he ends the Sermon on the Mount with a great description of hearing God's word and putting it into practice. If you hear God's word and put it into practice, you're going to be in great shape. You're going to build your house on the rock. So when the wind and the waves come up, you're going to stand. But if you don't and you build it on sand, you're going to have lots of problems, and it's going to fall with a great crash. After Jesus has these extraordinary words, we have the man with leprosy that he heals. We have the centurion that's healed. We have the section where he heals many people. What does he say in 16? He drives out evil spirits and heals all the sick. Not only does he speak words that are so great that no one's ever really said them that well before, and they have power behind them. He heals people. He casts out demons of people. He heals all the sick. Final selection in your post, Saturday 8, 18 to 27. The cost of following Jesus is a beautiful series of verses. The cost. And then he calms the storm from 23 to 27. Jesus calms the storm. Is there a storm in your life? Is there difficulties? Is there hardships? Are things not what they need to be? Do you have peace in your life? Jesus says, he calms the winds and the waves. We're going to drown. Lord, save us. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? He got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And they were amazed. Even the winds and the waves obey him. So we are following a person that can calm the storm, that can raise people from the dead, that can heal people long distance, that can cast out demons, that can heal people with leprosy. And the cost of following him is great, but the rewards and the benefits and the blessings that a person receives are stupendous.
So enjoy your week of reading, your week of learning, your week of prayer, self-reflection, thinking about the words that God shares with you, and I pray that many blessings and insights and revelations will come your way. God bless you, and have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you next week as we look into the readings from Proper 22.